This is the Daily Signal podcast for Wednesday, April 5th. I'm Virginia Allen. Tonight at sundown, Passover begins. The holiday lasts about a week and commemorates the Jews' freedom after more than 400 years of slavery in Egypt. Generations later, the Jewish community continues to celebrate Passover and remember God's saving hand upon them. But whether you are Jewish or not, Rabbi Pinhas Taylor says anyone can take time during Passover to seek freedom from the things that we allow ourselves to be enslaved to. On today's show, Rabbi Taylor and I discuss how the Jewish community continues to celebrate Passover all of these generations later and the symbolism behind the traditions. Stay tuned for our conversation after this. The reading clerk will now call the roll. Bids. It's money and power that control this town. Bishop of North Carolina. All we're talking about chaos and dysfunction in Washington because Republicans didn't sit down like Democrats do. Crane. It's like this cul-de-sac of greed and corruption and it just keeps going around and around. Gates. I felt like it doesn't even matter which party wins the majority because both sides are working for the same lobbyists. Luna. I had a reporter that basically accosted me in the hallway saying really vile stuff. Perry. One member came up to me and said, your presence disgusts me. Roy. So maybe the American people need to know the truth. And it's extraordinary what happens when you tell the truth in this town. People go, what the hell are you doing? Like, why would you do that? The fact is, we won because we were telling the truth. What you've just listened to is our brand new exclusive documentary about the 20 House Republicans who fought against the Washington establishment. We sat down with representatives Chip Roy of Texas, Eli Crane and Andy Biggs of Arizona, Anna Paulina Luna and Matt Gates of Florida, Scott Perry of Pennsylvania and Dan Bishop of North Carolina about the speaker race and why they chose to take a stand. The documentary is now available on The Daily Signal's YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram pages. We are joined today by author, speaker, and faith leader, Rabbi Pinhas Taylor. Rabbi, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate you being with us. Thanks so much for having me. Well, sunset on April 5th is the beginning of Passover. Let's talk a little bit about Passover and the history and the tradition of Passover for a few minutes. Explain, if you would, what are Jews celebrating when they celebrate Passover? So it's interesting. We're we're kind of celebrating two things at once. Uh, One of the, the, the primary thing that we're celebrating is the exodus from Egypt, that God had, we were, we were enslaved in Egypt uh, for many generations, and God had mercy on us and took our ancestors out from Egypt, afflicted the Egyptians with 10 plagues, escorted us across the sea, and brought us to liberation. And that's really what we're celebrating that night. What we're also experiencing, what we're also celebrating, is sort of the recreation and the re-experience of our own inner slaveries, our own personal slaveries uh, today. And that takes place on many levels, uh, whether they're physical, emotional, psychological, or spiritual slaveries. Mm-hmm. We are combating those and directly hitting them and knowing with confidence that God is going to liberate us from them when we put mm-hmm. the effort. 
Hmm, that's really beautiful. And how long does the celebration last and what is entailed? How, how does the Jewish community go about celebrating Passover in a practical sense? Sure. So the, the holiday uh, in full lasts eight days outside of the land of Israel. In the land of Israel, it lasts for seven days. Um, we always add an extra day uh, for holidays that are outside of the land. But the main, the main observances uh, of Passover actually begin before Passover. So one of the things that many people might know is that we don't have any leavened product. We, we call it chametz in, in Hebrew. Any leavened products, we don't eat them uh, or own them or have them. And so what we actually do before Passover is we spend sometimes weeks before sort of scouring the house of any leavened products. So all the Cheerios that my kids are dropping uh, <laughs> in every single room have to be found and cleaned out. And, um, and we, we try to rid it as much as possible for, out of all of our possession, any trace of leavened products. And so when we come into Passover for those, for that uh, seven or eight day period, uh, we are completely leaven free. And the way in which once we enter into the holiday, the main commemoration of Passover um, in a practical sense, of the Exodus, are the Seder nights. On the first night and the second night outside of the land of Israel, we have a Seder. And the Seder is a is really a pathway towards freedom. It sort of reenacts the entire experience from slavery to liberation. And we also have the anticipation of the final liberation, the final redemption that will come when Mashiach comes, during the times of the Messianic redemption. And I'm really curious by something that, that you said. You said that an extra day is added to um, not only Passover, but to any Jewish celebration when it's held outside the land of Israel. Why is that? Back in, in biblical times, the way in which the month was established was there was this whole reporting system of uh, when they would see the moon, it would be based on when the, when the new moon uh, period begins and witnesses would come and they would testify that they that the new moon has arrived and um, and it would be it would be this whole process of okay that would be the day that of declaring the first of the month in, in in the in the Hebrew calendar a new month is determined by a new moon it's not sort of in, in you know in the in the English calendar the secular calendar it's sort of arbitrary you know July 31st and November 2nd and it is kind of arbitrary names and numbers, each Hebrew month is determined by when the new moon comes. And so being that in the olden days, it took, it could take quite a while. We didn't have internet to upload right away and phone calls. Uh, so it sometimes it would take a bit of time for the news to travel when the new month actually was declared hmm. uh, for those places that were outside of the land of Israel or, or outside of the immediate uh, jurisdiction. It, it, the news could take a while, and so people would kind of say, well, either the, either the new month was declared today or, or yesterday, and, and so they would keep an extra day outside of the land um, in order to, it, based on the doubt of when the new month was actually declared. Oh, that's so now interesting. We, now we kind of maintain that uh, because once you add holiness to your life, you don't, you don't just uh, dismiss it. You don't say, ah, oh, well, we don't need it anymore, we have internet, or... or even even if even if we could be perfectly in sync with when the day began, it, it would be irrelevant because once we've accepted mm -hmm. as a as a world sort of Jewish community 
that this is how we do things and we've integrated an extra layer of holiness, we don't, we're not so quick to just get rid of that. Yeah, that's so fascinating. And what is the significance of removing all of the leaven down to that last Cheerio from your home? So it's interesting because the difference between leavened bread and unleavened bread, what we would call chametz and matzah, chametz is leavened products and uh, matzah is the sort of unleavened bread. The only difference between the two is uh, not ingredients, but in one doesn't have time to rise. And so the really the difference in ingredients, you could say, is air. And what the air represents, uh, or the deflated, the, 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 the matzot, which doesn't have air inside of it, which, which it doesn't, is not able to rise, it symbolizes a deflation of ego. And mm. because one of the things that prevents us a lot of the time from experiencing inner freedom is the ego. Uh, we, the ego is something that traps us. The ego is something that enslaves us. And so if part of Passover is trying to sort of leave your personal Egypt, it, that starts with the scouring of your ego and, mm. and the eradication of your ego. And embedded in, in those days of Passover is that energy that if you can sort of nullify your ego, your selfish drives, your, your, the air within you, uh, then you will experience, you'll have a greater susceptibility to experience freedom. So it's, it's a physical reminder of what you hope is happening within you spiritually. That's, that's really beautiful. What beautiful symbolism and how important. During those Seder meals, what are some of the, uh, the passages that, that are read from the Word? So we actually read this book called the Haggadah. And Haggadah means to, to tell over. And the commandment of that day uh, from the book of Exodus is to tell to your children and to your children's children the story of what happened. And it's important for us to always understand where we came from and understand how we got to where we are, because only from framing where knowledge of where you came from, knowing what your life and what your worldview is based upon, can you have a healthy experience of that Nowadays, if, you don't, if you're completely disconnected with your past, you don't learn from your mistakes, you don't see the whole process, you don't see God's hand in the story. And so in the Haggadah, there are different passages from uh, the book of Exodus in particular. We really kind of track the whole story of how our ancestors originally came into Egypt to begin with, uh, with Jacob's children, and uh, they migrated there and they lived under Joseph. And then they were enslaved to Pharaoh. And we go, we go through the whole process, little passages here and there from the book of Exodus, recounting the story of our liberation. And then following each of the, following the telling over of the story, we actually uh, experience some of the matters that went on. So for example, because the Egyptians embittered our lives, part of the Seder is to eat bitter herbs. Mm -hmm. um, because of the unleavened bread that our ancestors ate in the land of Egypt, we also eat unleavened bread. We also eat matzah at the Seder. And that's actually specifically when there's a command in the book of Exodus to eat matzah is that night of Passover. 
So we do things and we eat things to re-experience, to a degree, as a reminder, what our ancestors went through. And so it's not only just telling over the story, it's kind of reliving the story in a, in a real way. You had mentioned earlier when we were talking about getting rid of the chametz in your house, getting rid of the leavened products in your house, that it's sort of like a physical manifestation of what you hope is happening on a spiritual level. And that's sort of what the Seder nights are mm -hmm. also about. You do physical actions and experience physical tastes and motions and whatnot to re-experience, not only tell over the story, but re-experience the story as it took place. I was really honored and privileged last year to be invited by a Jewish family to celebrate Seder with them. And this was my first time going to a Jewish Seder. And one of the things that struck me most and that I found so beautiful was the value that was placed on question asking, specifically among the children. There were specific times uh, and, and really throughout the meal where uh, it was very encouraged to ask questions and kids were asking questions freely and there was so much time given to that. Why is question asking not only a, a great value during Passover and the Seder meal, but why does Jewish culture put so much value on asking questions? It's interesting that you ask that because usually when people think of religious faith, they think of the opposite. They think of, oh, you can't ask any questions. Questioning is bad. And Judaism actually looks at things in the exact opposite way, that questions are a good thing. Dialogue is a good thing. And the idea of asking questions is because, first of all, that's how you understand and treasure what you have, because you can't get to the meat of a matter without asking questions. You can't understand something or someone, anything in this world, without asking questions. If I want to get to know you, or you want to get to know someone, whatever it is, what do you do? You ask them questions about themselves. About, you know, and, the, and the deeper the questions, not in a prying way, but the deeper the questions, the, the more you get to know the person. Mm -hmm. and, and so the idea of asking questions about why things happened the way that they did, about the Exodus story, about God, and about God's hand in our lives, is something extremely encouraged and vital towards the preservation and the proliferation of Jewish knowledge, of Torah knowledge. Mm, I love that. It's really beautiful. Now, if, if myself or, or someone who's listening who is not Jewish, but values and, and loves Jewish culture, if they wanted to hold a Seder meal in their home and celebrate Passover, is that something that they could do? And how would they learn how to do that? Sure. I mean, there's, there are plenty of resources online. I wouldn't necessarily encourage anyone who's not of the Jewish faith to do a full sort of Seder experience in the same way that the Jewish community does. Because, again, they're, they're, everyone has their, their customs and their understanding of things, and doing it, doing it the way that the Jews do it, there's, not, there's no real reason to sort of, to sort of uh, reenact it in the same specific way. At the same time, I think it would be worthwhile if a person was uh, interested in Jewish culture, Jewish knowledge, and wanted to sort of implement that in their lives. There, I don't see anything wrong with eating matzah to sort of 
understand the experience and reading the book of Exodus to, uh, to sort of reimagine what was taking place and God's hand in creation, and also thinking in our own lives, how can I be a more connected and more liberated person? Liberated in the sense that I'm not enslaved to my own passions, but I'm instead a servant of God. I think it, I think it would be more fitting uh, for someone outside of the Jewish community if they wanted to experience really the message of Passover would be to think in their, to think to themselves, how can I leave my own inner Egypt, if you will? Mm-hmm. What are the things that are holding me back? What is constraining me? What is limiting me in my life? And how can I sort of make the proper steps to uh, liberate myself? Because when a person takes that first step, God helps, God helps them along the way as well. God will, will split seas for those that walk courageously forward. Hmm. Rabbi Taylor, with, uh, with the last few minutes we have here, I would love to ask you a little bit about a book that you have coming out um, soon. And just to share, you, you've written several books in the past, uh, and you're currently working on a new book. And I would love for you just to take a few minutes to share a little bit about that book and what the mission of it is. Sure. So my, my prior books are seek to clarify matters of faith in different areas that are widely misunderstood, both in the secular world and even in the religious world. So my first book, Pillars of Faith, seeks to really delve into why we believe things that we believe, why it makes reasonable sense to believe in God, to believe that the Torah was given at Sinai, to believe in the coming of Mashiach, the Messianic redemption, and and so forth, the sort of primary fundamental ideas of our faith. The second book that I wrote, A Jewish Guide to the Mysterious, is sort of clarifying a Jewish understanding, a spiritual understanding of a lot of the topics in the realm of the paranormal. Uh, so dreams, astrology, angels, demons, that sort of, uh, those sorts of topics from a traditional religious or traditional Jewish perspective. Uh, this upcoming book, God willing, uh, is going to sort of trace the faith roots of the American founding. I, I, lo- I love America, and I love what America stands for, and pray for this country every single day. And one thing that unfortunately is, is getting lost as the, as the generations continue is the idea, is the recognition that the American experiment was founded, was premised, was built on the idea of God, uh, and built on the idea of faith, particularly the, with the influence of the Hebrew Bible, which is a part that we all sort of share, what, what some people sometimes call the Judeo-Christian values, the idea that the Hebrew Bible, uh, what, what it represents, the themes that are embedded in it, and the themes that are ultimately then embedded in our country. So it kind of goes through that throughout the course of uh, what led up to the American founding, and I hope to also include certain ideas as to how how one from a traditional sort of biblical model with a, with a modern lens might look at some of the issues that face our country nowadays. Rabbi Taylor, if anyone listening wants to either buy your books or follow your work, how can they do that? Sure. So uh, as far as buying the books, they're all available at Amazon. You could just uh, Google my name, Pinchas Taylor, P-I-N-C-H-A-S, Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R. 
I'd be more than happy. Uh, and, and you can certainly visit my website, pinchastaylor.com, which is, again, P-I-N-C-H-A-S-T-A-Y-L-O-R.com. Excellent. Rabbi, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. And we hope that you um, have a wonderful and very blessed Passover. Thanks so much. It was really a pleasure. And that's going to do it for today's episode. For all who are listening in our Jewish community, we hope that you have a very blessed Passover. And for all of our Christian community listening, we hope that you have a very blessed Passion Week or Holy Week, that it's full of the presence of the Lord. But thank you for joining us today for the Daily Signal podcast. And if you haven't had the chance, be sure to check out our evening show right here in this podcast feed where we bring you the top news of the day. We'll go ahead and note today on the show that Friday, for Good Friday, we are not going to have any podcast. There won't be a morning show and there won't be top news in observance of Good Friday. But we will be right here back with you tomorrow. And of course, we'll see you at 5 p.m. for our top news edition. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Samantha Asheris. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.